This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I can't believe I'm saying this. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line by the one and only Jennifer Aniston. Why did Jennifer Aniston start a hair care company? Because she was tired of choosing between hair products that work and hair products that are actually good for us. But thanks to Lola V, we never have to choose again. No silicones, no sulfates, parabens, or gluten. And of course, it's cruelty-free and vegan. The Glossing Detangler and Perfect Conditioner are my personal favorites. Not only do they repair the look of damaged hair, but they also shield it from future harm. The first step to unlocking confidence in your dating life and your daily life is feeling confident about your hair. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. And as listeners of Seeing Other People, you're getting an exclusive 15% off off of your entire order when you use code Seeing Other People at checkout. That's 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com with promo code Seeing Other People. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After your purchase, they will ask you where you heard about them. Please, please, please support Seeing Other People and let them know that I sent you. You guys are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from the best of the best, Jenny Kane. And yes, there is a discount, so keep on listening. You know that feeling when you get a new sweater and it instantly becomes basically another layer of your skin? Like you wear it everywhere for everything all the time. Okay, well, Jenny Kane has become my literal uniform. And if you don't know Jenny Kane, I'm pretty much about to change your life because Jenny Kane's clothes did that to mine. Jenny Kane is a California brand with luxurious staples that will transform your closet. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. They have the coziest cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories that will elevate your everyday basics. I don't know if I wear my cashmere fisherman hoodie or my cropped cashmere cocoon cardigan more. All I know is that I cannot live without either of them. Whether it's a cozy night in with the girls, a dinner date with Jake, or catching a flight to Florida to see my parents, these sweaters are perfect for every single occasion. And I couldn't be happier when I'm wearing them because I'm so comfy. And you guys know me. I always choose comfort over how something looks. But with Jenny Kane, I don't have to choose because I get comfort and I get style. All right. So we have the discount code coming for you. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Seeing other people listeners get 15% off their first order when you use code SOP at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code SOP, S-O-P. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back to another episode of Seeing Other People. Together, we're navigating modern dating alongside experts and real-life daters who are sharing their stories. Don't have a date for tonight? No problem. Come learn, laugh, and maybe even cry along with us as we navigate the dating scene together. Hey guys, I am here with Rebecca Marcus. Rebecca, you are a licensed clinical social worker and your practice focuses on helping millennial women with dating. So you are in the right place and I'm so excited to have you. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here, Alana. Thank you so much. Yeah. How, like, what got you started? First of all, like, why did you become a therapist? And how did your therapy practice end up kind of going in the direction of focusing on dating? Oh, okay. So long story. Yeah. I mean, I on and off was in therapy growing up. So I was always kind of comfortable and familiar with it as it being like a place to uh, a safe place that you could talk about things. It always just felt very natural. I was always very interested in people um, and their backstory and what was behind things um, at a young age. And so I ended up getting into the psychology major as 
you know, an undergrad, not exactly knowing what I wanted to do. I thought I was wanted to do art, um, still infuse a little creativity here and there, but didn't go that route. Um, I actually got into doing energy healing, Reiki healing as a in college. And so I was very interested in just how we hold emotion in our body and like the energy and all these things. So kind of naturally progressed into realizing like I want to do some kind of healing work. Um, but I was very interested in emotions. Don't really have such a s- strong science background. So I, I I was like, okay, I think like a psychotherapy healing direction is probably the best for me. And I initially worked in more um, heavy duty addiction treatment, um, doing trauma work. But I, I always kind of was very interested in the early experiences and how they informed our relationships, peer relationships, our romantic relationships, our friendships. And I definitely saw a lot of that, you know, in the deeper trauma work in addiction. Um, and then as I kind of progressed through my career, I started working with, you know, a little bit more of the higher functioning, kind of like anxious, um, worriers, like ambitious. Yeah. And I just started seeing a lot of this coming up um, with the clients I was working with around dating and confusion around dating. And not to mention myself kind of going through that whole process of being confused, being upset, being let down. Um, and I, I was introduced to this idea of dating from a more intentional place and knowing what your values were and going into it with that headspace as opposed to just looking for a hot boyfriend um, because you want to be with someone and like that's the end goal of life and (laughs) once you find the person like everything else works out and just live happily ever after Um, fake news (laughs) right you can live happily ever after but you have to work continuously at it every day (laughs) absolutely um so yeah I just kind of realized I started really enjoying working with those kind of clients I found that my own work my own process of dating shifting my mindset inner work um meeting my husband my now husband um the continued work that I still have to put in (laughs) Um, that I just, I felt like there was so much chaos and confusion that people still go through and so much pain and heartache. Um, And I found that the clients that I was working with, um, the kind of stuff that we were doing, they were seeing results. Um, And I just felt really energized and excited about it. So slowly I niched down to that kind of um, focus. It was kind of a long story, but here we are. No, I love all of that. There's so much in there that I feel like we could dive into. I want to touch on how you mentioned, like you learned about this concept of intentional dating and it's so mind blowing to me. I mean, I get it because I grew up and and didn't know about that either, but why, why are we just like set free into this dating world without a clue in the world what to do? Because if we could all go back in time to like our early twenties, when we graduated college, kind of started dating and actually like be forced to sit down in like a two hour course even, or just like forced Mm -hmm. to watch a certain movie or read a certain book before we entered the modern dating world about like, figure out your deal breakers, figure out your values, figure out what type of life you want to build with somebody. And if we would just think about those things before we would start dating, we all would be so much better off. Yeah, no, we don't learn it. I feel like you don't learn it in school. It's no. not like <laughs> So what like what are we to do 
except for try and fail and then learn the hard way. (laughs) Yeah. And I think just also the messages that we see in society. I mean, even at such a young age, like I loved all the Disney movies. Um, I'm I'm a Sex and the City fan. Like I watched all of the different, you know, the notebook. And so you like are kind of just absorbing all of this um, information that's like fun to watch, but then trying to make that your life you end up feeling disappointed and confused. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, with the clients you work with, what are the biggest things that they're struggling with or that are holding them back when it comes to dating and finding a healthy relationship? So I think a lot of it actually starts internally. Of course, like the actions that we take externally make a huge difference, but I think a lot of stuff around self-worth seems to come up for people depending, even regardless of where they are, maybe in their process. Um, but I know sometimes, you know, not realizing like, oh, I have a choice or like not being comfortable having alone time or like not really knowing how to manage feelings of loneliness or like a sense of urgency, not really feeling good about ourselves. So we're maybe looking for like, oh, the guy texts me back as like this validation. And I think, you know, working on those things and learning to date from a more empowered place of like, I don't need someone to make me feel good. Like I already feel good. I'm looking for someone to build with and grow. Yeah. What are some like steps somebody could take to get closer to feeling that exact thing that you just said? Like, I don't need somebody, but somebody would be a great compliment to my life, but I don't need somebody in order for me to feel whole. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really, it's hard, um, but it's maybe just taking a moment to slow down a little bit. Cause I also think a lot of the people that I work with are amazing, successful, ambitious women that are, you know, doing great, but they're really used to producing and achieving all the time, which is amazing. Um, but you know, being able to sometimes slow down, like you for yourself, um, having to like pause and take a break from work when you're not feeling well. Um, and being able to be like, okay, like, you know, like still feeling like worthy of things, regardless of like what you're producing or like if you're in a relationship or not, and maybe looking at like, well, what comes up when I try, like, what are the kind of core beliefs or messages that come up when like, I am sitting with that when I am pausing for a minute. Um, And can I explore that a little bit? Like what comes up? How do I feel? Um, I do a lot of sort of like mindful, like somatic practices. So just kind of noticing like, where do I feel that in my body? Um, Like what feelings are present for me? Um, Like, you know, kind of learning to regulate our nervous system also, because we can do the intellectual work, but our bodies, like if they're in this state of like hypervigilance, we don't really internalize it. So I think kind of going into that, also connecting with supportive, like-minded friends that make you feel good, that are reciprocal, I think is like having a community of supportive people, um, I think is huge. And exploring things that you enjoy, like creative outlets or like, you know, ways of moving your body that feel good. Um, 
learning when you are, aren't feeling so good? Like, what are some things I can do for myself that I'd want another person to be doing for me? Like, how can I take care of myself right now? Because honestly, as we know, like even in a relationship, you're still going to have times where you don't feel great and your partner is there to help you and like should be making like adding to your happiness. But if you're fully dependent on like someone else being responsible to take care of your feelings and make you happy, the relationship might not really work out so well. You guys know that I struggle with confidence. I'm always my biggest critic. And when I notice something about myself that I don't like, I can't stop fixating on it. I'm working on all of this, but it can be hard. A year ago, I noticed that my hair was thinning and I was finding more and more strands of hair on the floor every time I would walk around my apartment. When I would look down in the shower, I would freak out at what I saw in the drain. That's when I opened up to my best friend who happens to be a doctor. And she said two things that changed my life. The first was that she knows so many women our age going through the same thing. The second is that she told me to try Nutrafol. And so I did. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. A year later and a month before my wedding, and I cannot believe the number of people who have been complimenting how long, strong, and healthy my hair looks. I never imagined that this would happen. And naturally, as a result, my confidence has transformed. I'm no longer self-conscious when it comes to my hair. And honestly, that is a huge, huge, huge personal win for me. And you guys know I'm hilariously bad at sticking with habits and taking something every day or doing something every day. But with Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online with no prescription required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure that you'll never miss a day. You'll see results in three to six months. And trust me, it is worth the wait. You can start so easily by taking their hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering the Seeing Other People family 10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code seeing other people. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code seeing other people. That's Nutrafol.com promo code seeing other people. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. When I first started seeing other people, some of my closest friends and family could not believe it. Not because they didn't think I was capable of being a podcast host, but because I usually can't get through a sentence without sniffling. And during allergy season, forget about it. My seasonal allergies are debilitating, and my sinus congestion and pressure has always left me feeling so sick. But luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Claritin D has truly transformed my life. Not only can I breathe better and sleep better since taking Claritin D, but I also can get through the day so much smoother. I used to have to cancel plans because of how bad my allergies were. I'd go through a tissue box a week, sometimes more, and my eyes were always watery. But Claritin D's fast symptom relief starts working on allergies with nasal congestion in as little as 30 minutes, and it tackles nasal congestion caused by allergies or a cold and also relieves sinus congestion and pressure 
pressure due to allergies. It's truly the greatest thing I've ever come across. And I am so grateful that I found it and started using it. Are you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Yeah, that's not going to be a healthy relationship at the end of the day <laughs> or a relationship that ends up staying. Yeah, that you end right, up staying Exactly. In. So I think yeah. some of the stuff like working on this, whether you're in a relationship or not, like it's going, you're going to continue to do the work, I think, once you find the person. Because I think that's also something I noticed that comes up, this looking like these rose-colored glasses, like, oh, once I'm like married or like once I find like I'm in a relationship or like that or like whatever, then I could just like chill. Like everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. I won't have to worry. It's like, okay, but (laughs) perhaps that's not so realistic because, you know, sometimes people in a relationship are maybe looking back at like, well, I had so much time for myself (laughs) before. So I think it's, you know, kind of zooming out a little bit and like kind of looking at the whole picture. Yeah. I fundamentally believed when I was single that as soon as I got into a relationship, all of my problems would be solved. I definitely felt that way too and was uh, (laughs) – It's it's a rude awakening to find out that is not the case. (laughs) Yeah. All all of your problems are still there. You're not instantly magically happy. You know, you still have to take care of yourself and deal with whatever other shit you're dealing with. And (laughs) yes, is it nice to have – Barkley's in the background right now being so silly. This is really funny. Um, it's nice to have that support, that built-in support system of a partner, but their presence is not going to fix you. Right. Just what you're saying, like working on being able to kind of like, I like to do sometimes some like inner child work or like reparenting work of like, okay, your partner's not your parent. Like, you know, at times we all want to be taken care of and that's okay. But like, yeah, like kind of claiming your own, um, like what's your responsibility? Like that's my stuff that might be coming up in the relationship or like, I'm going to own that. Okay. Like, and noticing like, what is the other person's? Um, and I think starting to do that work, like when you're single, it, you know, that I think you date from a much more empowered, intentional place. Absolutely. And and while we could all do work forever, we're never going to be perfect. But I think on the flip side of it is you hope that when you meet somebody who you want to start a relationship with, that they're also in a place mm-hmm. where they've done some work. They've figured out what their core beliefs are and values and who they are. And they know where what their shortcomings are, what they need to work on, but they also know what their strengths are and how they can be that good partner for you. And so I feel like mm-hmm. we often, like I often see people being like, well, I'm doing everything right. It's the people that I'm going on dates with that are the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, you're choosing to go on dates with those people over and over. So there's still something within you that maybe you could be improving on that maybe you need to look within on, but it can't always be somebody else's fault. So I think that's really key what you're saying, the ability to acknowledge your role in the process, um, which is sometimes hard, you know, and it makes us more vulnerable, I think, too. But it's like finding that balance, right? Because it's like where everything's my fault. But I think it's just kind of right. acknowledging like, all right, like this is maybe something that's this is like a blind spot for me or like a block or something I need to explore. Like, 
why do I, what, what need is this filling for me? What am I repeating? Um, yeah. And I think also like you're saying, once you are more like kind of there's self-awareness that's developed, there's like a sense of, um, you know, inspiration or like fulfillment just like in your life, then you do tend to like the people that you're attracted to off and who are attracted to you tend to mirror that. So I think like you said, it can be a good indication of when you're like, hmm, there's like a pattern here. Like, okay, what do I need to like, what's going on inside? Absolutely. I'm curious. I find that a lot of my listeners, and I was very guilty of this too, often get themselves into a pattern of, you know, dating the same type of person who's wrong for them or finding themselves constantly in these unhealthy dating situations. Why do we continue to find ourselves in those? Why are we putting ourselves in those? And how can we stop doing that? Hmm. Yeah. So the the repetition compulsion, that's what Freud kind of coined it as. Um, So, I mean, a lot of times I believe it goes back to like earlier um, attachment issues or like earlier situations, um, you know, with our parents, um, maybe perhaps the mo- what the relationship we saw modeled between our parents, like the relationship that maybe we had with both of our parents individually, like there can be a variety of factors. Sometimes you'll see maybe there's similarities and sometimes people almost it ends up being the total opposite. But a lot of times there's something maybe there going on, whether it's feelings of abandonment or kind of being like the caretaker or we want to kind of dig in a little bit to see like, well, what's going on? And I also think it's helpful to kind of ask like, well, what's the benefit? Like, what am I getting out of doing this? Because a lot of times like it is, it's like familiar and it's stimulating and it's satisfying some kind of need. So, you know, sometimes with like guys who are emotionally unavailable, it's like internally that also keeps us maybe safer from like really opening up, really being vulnerable, like really being seen. And so just kind of digging deeper about like, well, what, you know, when did I, what what am I afraid will happen? Or like, what am I drawn to with these people? Because sometimes we're almost, they say like, maybe like dad was like not around so much or like not so available or like kind of inconsistent or like parents were divorced or things like that. Um, And there was like love felt conditional, whatever. So we're like, they're used to playing that out with their parents and perhaps they've never really process that that's something that's there that like oh I kind of felt sad like I didn't know if my dad was going to actually show up or not or like oh like we got in a fight but then like he bought me something or like but they don't maybe realize like I actually felt mad and really sad at that time so instead of dealing with the feelings the the compulsion to repeat just kind of keeps playing out so I think just sort of like if we can get into what the initial feeling was, sometimes that helps a little bit to tease out that like need to repeat. But we also want to look at like, well, because sometimes there are these old behaviors are things that maybe made us feel safe in the past. Or like, you know, like I knew that like my dad was around or like my mom, like she was always taking care of everyone. So she like would never be abandoned or like, like, so there's a benefit to that, but is it still working for you now? And like, if you zoom out, like, are you, do you want to get married or like, do you want a family or maybe you don't, but like, let's look at that because how is what you're doing right now working for you? So I think there's kind of like the piece underneath, like mm-hmm. the unconscious piece. And then there's also that like 
intentional intellectual piece. Um, and so just, I kind of like to explore from both sides and see like, yeah. where's the discrepancy? You mentioned divorce and that made me go down a like 10 second movie montage in my head of different guys I dated throughout my twenties who yeah. their parents got divorced at some point in their lives. And mm-hmm. I'm curious like what patterns you see or if there is research out there that you know of about like if somebody is from a, I don't want to say broken home, but a home where their parents got divorced um, or had an unhealthy relationship, like are they more likely to follow that same pattern and also get divorced? Cause I remember multiple of these guys saying something along the lines of, well, like, I don't believe in marriage or like, mm-hmm. I'm going to try it, but it's not going to work. Or yeah, my parents got divorced. I'm ultimately going to end up getting divorced too. Or well, marriage doesn't work. So I'm not even going to bother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people, I think definitely can feel very jaded from all of it. And so I think that the idea again, is like, are you interested in like breaking that cycle? And like, just, I think a lot of times we sort of feel like we just like fall victim to like, I mean, we're all guilty of that. Like, Oh, this is just like what it is. So I guess that's like how things are for me. And it's like, okay, like this is what you're working with. It's a challenge for you. Like, but like, can we go, like, how was that for you growing up? Did anyone sit with you and process those emotions? Because, and that's a lot of times where it's like stuff's trapped in the body or like experiences that were just never processed or now just keep playing out. And it's almost like sometimes people are sabotaging the thing that they say they're wanting. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel truly that we all have a choice. We all can change. It's hard. It's not always comfortable. And sometimes it can be painful as we're doing the work to make those changes. But I think at the end of the day, it's like once you become an adult, you do have that choice to make a change. So and to like seek out the the resources and to like show up and do the work. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so true for whether anything, whether it's divorce, whether it's like, well, you've been cheated on and you have the mindset of, well, I'm always going to get cheated on. Like everybody's going to do this to me. And I think, I think as soon as you find yourself saying like, like you said, like, this is what it is. Like these, these are the cards I've been dealt. Like, this is just the way it goes or, well, this is what's happened. So this is what's always going to happen. I feel like to anyone listening, like if you find yourself saying that, Like, this is your sign. Exactly what Rebecca said. Like, you have a choice. Like, you can choose to do something about it. You can choose to put in the work to make that not the case because it isn't just how it is. You can write your own path. Brave the uncomfortable. Those are the words engraved on my bracelet that have gotten me through some of the most anxiety-inducing moments over the last few years. And that's why I could not be more excited to encourage you all to get a Presently bracelet of your own with a phrase that resonates with you. Presently is a line of mindfulness bracelets engraved with words inspired by cognitive behavioral therapy. The brand was started by two sisters, Lindsay and Emily, who have obsessive compulsive disorder, aka OCD, and anxiety. They realized that when stuck in an anxiety spiral, it's hard to put into practice the tools that they learned 
learned in therapy sessions. They looked and looked for bracelets that could serve as reminders to interrupt that spiral, but they couldn't find anything besides the cheesy good vibes only and no bad days types of messaging. They started presently to bring more authenticity to self-help anxiety management. And as someone who has had a presently bracelet for three years, I mean it when I say it really makes a difference. So whether you need encouragement to make it onto that date that you've been anxious about, a calming mantra to get you through a big day at work, or simply a reminder that you're not alone, presently has your back. Their bracelets are so beautiful and elevated, and they also make amazing gifts. And I know because I have gifted a few over the years, and my friends were so excited to get one and have worn them ever since. There are six phrases to choose from, and if you're indecisive, there's a quiz that you can take to help you choose the perfect reminder for your anxiety. Plus, 5% of each bracelet is donated to your choice of four mental health nonprofits. I wholeheartedly love and support Presently, and I know that your Presently bracelet will bring you as much comfort as mine has brought me. So head to presentlybracelets.com. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-T-L-Y bracelets.com for 10% off your order using code seeing other people. Raise your hand if you have dating anxiety. All right. All right. I know that everyone has their hands up and I get it. I had debilitating anxiety when I was single. And even when I first started dating Jake, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I know that is not a good way to feel and that is not a fun way to date. And I get it. It can be hard to find an anxiety relief tactic that works for you. That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to a new one that has helped me dramatically with my wedding and work stress and anxiety over the last few months. And trust me, there's been a lot of it. Sunset Lake CBD is an amazing company that not only has helped me feel so much better, but they also have a really cool history and mission. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. As farmers, they believe in providing only top-shelf CBD and hemp products at fair prices. So they cut out the middlemen and they ship their CBD straight from their farm to your door, which means that their CBD is affordable and trusted because CBD and anxiety relief can help everyone and they want it to be accessible to anyone. Trust me when I say that when I'm stressed or anxious, my sleep is the first thing to go. But despite everything I have going on right now, I've been taking a sleep gummy before bed and my sleep scores on my aura ring have been through the roof. Plus, I'm finding myself relaxing more at night and being able to turn off my work brain and my anxiety with the help of their CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews. Whether you want to sleep better, relax better, focus better, recover better, or anything in between, Sunset Lake CBD has something for everyone. So check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use code SOP for 20% off your order. That's code SOP for 20% off, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown Sunset Lake CBD. Do you feel like you're at a crossroads in your love life? Maybe you're in the thick of modern dating or you're wondering if the person you're with is your person. Whatever your situation, I have the perfect podcast for you. It's called Dateable, your insider's look into modern dating, hosted by Julie Krafchick and Yue Shu. They talk about it all, from why you're choosing the wrong partner and how to stop, to how to actually go from matching on the app to getting on a date, to securing your anxious attachment, and everything in between. Julie and Yue have been on Seeing Other People, and I've been a guest on their podcast too, so if you're looking for a great starting point, check out my episode of Dateable, Season 15, Episode 10, Is It Chemistry or Anxiety? Guys, this podcast is incredibly relatable, insightful, and oftentimes hilarious. Wherever you start, Dateable will help you feel inspired to date differently and create a love life that works for you. You can subscribe and listen to episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts every Wednesday and Sunday. So check out Dateable and thank me later. 
Exactly. And I think also, like, of course, we want to acknowledge, um, you know, sometimes it's coming up as like a protective mechanism when we're just like, this is how it is, like kind of expecting disappointment because we're protecting ourselves. Um, But ultimately, if we um, we stay like in protection, we're not really opening up for connection. Um, I don't know. Have you heard of Bessel van der Kolk? He's like a trauma specialist, but he has a quote and he says, as human beings, we're wired for connection. But when we've experienced trauma, we prioritize um, protection over it. So having a lot of training in trauma, I've come to understand that it's really any sort of adverse life experience to exactly what you're saying. Like, being like a breakup, being in a relationship where somebody was like had a wandering eye or like your parents just like not really being so available, like even if there wasn't divorce or like having a divorce that was like amicable, like all these things could still be like little T trauma, like relational trauma that are maybe impacting you. And so like processing it and being able to heal from it will help us like get out of that protective um, kind of like fight or flight response. Um, because it is vulnerable to connect with someone. And uh, when we go in like wanting connection, there is always that chance that we're going to be disappointed. Um, but I think it's like, as you know, even in a relationship, there might be times when you experience like feeling disappointed or sad or like you're annoyed at your partner. Um, totally. So the stuff is, it's like you said, like wherever you go, there you are. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah, going back to kind of what we were talking about before with that, like rose-colored glasses the grass is always greener like getting into a relationship will solve my problems it's like (laughs) you're always you're always going to be thinking about that next thing you know it's like well maybe if you get into a relationship that'll solve your problems no you're still gonna have all your problems you're still gonna get annoyed with your partner with yourself things are gonna happen and you'll be like oh well when we get married or like you know I here's a good example I have a lot of friends who were very like anxious attached and when they got into their relationships. Their partners were so wonderful and very reassuring, but they always felt like, no, I don't have the security that I need. Like until he proposes, I'm not going to feel secure. I'm going to feel like he can leave me any day. Then he, then he would propose. And then they would say, well, he can still change his mind. Like (laughs) he could always decide to leave me. Like, you know, like what if he wakes up one day and doesn't love me anymore? Okay. Like, well, when we get married, I'll feel better about that. Then they get, and it, it never ends. It's like, well, then we get married. Then when we have kids, like then what? Like there's always going to be that next thing. And so you have to, you know, take it upon yourself to question, like, why are you feeling this way? And what can you do? Because your feelings, what happens to you in life is not always in your control, but how you react to it is and how you, you know, digest information and respond to it and, and feel about it. Like you can take some of that into your own hands. Totally. And I think that is that like, if once you can internalize that, that's where that sense of empowerment and like a deeper sense of self-worth tends to emerge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have some listener questions that I'm so excited about. I had, for some reason, last week when I was sick, I had so many people send in questions and I'm like, this is so perfect. I have the perfect guest to help me answer these. So let's do it. Okay. The first one is a bit long. I've been seeing a guy for about four months. We get along great, but we only see each other once a week because he works 10 hour shifts, six days a week, and then is too tired to make plans after work. Whenever I ask about making plans, he asks what my schedule is like so we can make plans. 
we've made plans for sleepovers and he's canceled because he wasn't feeling good. Then this last time he said if he felt better, he would come over that Saturday. Saturday night, he still didn't say a thing about when he was coming, but asked what I was doing the next day. He finally followed through on our Sunday night plans, but he's always rescheduling whenever we don't make plans on Sundays. He said before that he wants to sleep over, but will never bring up the topic first and said that when the time is right, it will happen. Is making plans with me just not a priority to him because he thinks rescheduling makes things right? Also, does him saying sleepover will happen when the time is right mean that he doesn't want to right now? Mm, Yeah, there's a lot there to unpack. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start with the canceling plans. This question of is making plans with me not a priority to him? And then that second part of it, because he thinks rescheduling makes it right. So one thing I think it was really helpful with me um, for learning during dating and also during marriage is that men and women approach things very differently and also think about things very differently. Um, So women tend to maybe have like a bunch of tabs up at once and they also have a lot more thoughts going on in their head and words coming out of their mouth throughout the day, whereas men just kind of approach things like one thing at a time. So they're not really thinking about like all the different things ahead. They're just, they tra- they they approach the task at hand. And this definitely came up even with my husband. Sometimes I'm asking him to do something. And then as he's doing it, I'm telling him all the other things. He's like, wait, can I just focus on this right now? Yeah. And the more I've learned that, I find it's actually much more helpful to just follow that format. Um, so that's one. Um, but I think my question would also be, have they had a conversation about this with the actual thing that's happening? Or is it just continuing to go back and forth with the making plans? Or has there been any conversation about like, hey, I'm just noticing this pattern? Um, also, I'm curious what he does for work. Um, <laughs> what my husband is a medical resident and I've seen him when he's in his work box or he's stressed about work. And I think just for any men, they're not going to be like in their relationship box. Whereas women, they're at work. They're like thinking about the guy they're dating. They're like thinking about dinner. Then they're like, oh, what should I do? And then like, we're like, they're able to multitask differently. Um, but men don't really I mean, at least the men that I know don't typically work that way. So I think keeping that in mind and maybe also exploring like what she's applying like meaning to it. Like he's not interested in prioritizing like based on like her expectations of what, how often she would like, like, it sounds like they might have different real expectations of what's realistic in terms of like how much they're able to see each other. Yeah. I I agree. My assumption would be that they have not had a conversation about this. And I completely agree that that is like the first thing that this listener should do because he might have no idea. Like clearly this is upsetting you and he, he probably has no idea. So he probably does think that rescheduling makes it right because you haven't told him that it doesn't. And so I think that's really important to get out there. And, you know, if this is somebody that you want to pursue a potential relationship with, like, Right now, you're not on that path. There's some like course correction that needs to happen to get there because right now this isn't working. Mm-hmm. That's not to say it can't work, but you have to communicate about it. I love, love, love that you're pointing out the differences between how men and women think. <laughs> and I, I have a metaphor for you. I'm not sure if you've heard it, but somebody told me this like two years ago and it has not left my brain since. Pro- probably in relation to what the metaphor says, but it's that a woman's brain is like spaghetti. 
you pour sauce on it and it covers the whole thing, every crevice, intertwined, up, down, left, right. A man's brain is like a waffle. You pour syrup on it and it goes into each different crevice and stays there. Mm-hmm. We think about everything all at once. They're thinking, like you said, like in his work box, not his relationship box. Like mm-hmm. they are compartmentalizing things and thinking about different things at different times. Yeah. And I think it's like, it's not to say like one is better than the other, but just being able to understand the differences yes. and kind of looking at it as more like, that's just how they operate. It doesn't really have to do with their feelings about you. Um, but I do think it is important to, I think another thing that I see come up a lot is sometimes unrealistic expectations for both men and women on like what a relationship is or like kind of um, expectations around people being like totally perfect or like once I find the person, like we're saying like, I won't have to do any work. It'll just happen. But I think being responsible to communicate your own needs and wants and expectations with the other person is part of the work. Um, and if they're not able to meet those expectations, like that's okay. But like, if you're wanting, you know, like a long-term compatible, successful relationship, this is part of the process of finding someone who you're compatible with. Um, But also I think it's a back and forth. And so being like reasonable in terms of like, okay, like perhaps on the weeks that he has longer shifts, like maybe it's not going to be realistic for us to, you know, like let's think about like, why don't we have the discussion? Why isn't this working? And like um, just kind of making clarity your goal. I know it's, it's really hard. And I think especially as women, when we like a guy, we can get very fixated on the outcome of being like, this is the guy that like, I have to make this work with this guy because I found him. Um, And then maybe we're afraid to sometimes have these conversations um, or we begin to like obsess if it's not going a particular way or we compare to, you know, another friend's trajectory. And so I think just zooming out, checking, that's where some of the skills of self-regulation and being able to tolerate some of that uncertainty and feeling confident and empowered that we can express our needs. We can just have a conversation with someone. Um, This is going to be a necessary thing if we're in a relationship with them. So it's really hard though. I've definitely been there and I think that anxiety and overthinking tends to make it a little worse. So just kind of coming back and being like, right, it's not that serious. Like, let's just talk about it. Um, those would be my, those, that's my insight. Yeah. And I think the longer you let it build up, the more of a thing it's becoming in your head versus, eh, this feels a little off, or I feel like I'm not being prioritized. Like, let's talk about it because like you said, like, it's not, it's not that serious and it doesn't have to be, but the more, like the more you think about it, the more it becomes this huge, scary conversation and thing that you need to get through and it doesn't have to be that way. It can just be a simple, like, let's talk through it and then we'll both feel better and have more clarity. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that sometimes the hard part is that it is a little bit more vulnerable and sometimes maybe we, people do have different expectations of what real is realistic. Like I find that sometimes that maybe keeps people in this sort of lukewarm space because they're just nervous to mess it up, but they're not actually happy with, how things are. Yeah. So you kind of have to be willing to walk away from the table. But a lot of times you may be surprised at like what just an open, honest conversation can do. Yeah. You never know how somebody's going to show up for you or if they're able to show up for you in the way you need until you give them the opportunity to. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Okay. Next question. I've had so many situationships where we quote unquote break up, but they still want me in their life and say that's really important to them. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I would ask how how they feel about the person who wrote this. How does that work for you? And like in what capacity? I think sometimes try, it, you have to look at what your goal is. If you're looking for just like casual things and that is enough and it, that's going to make you happy, um, okay, if it works for you. But I think a lot of times it doesn't always work for us. Sometimes we just stay a little bit stuck or have like one foot in kind of hoping like if we hang out a little bit more, like then he'll kind of change his mind. He'll get to know me more. Um Maybe like sometimes that happens, but also it might not. And then it kind of like prevents you from creating space for somebody who actually wants a full relationship. Yeah. Um, so maybe that also sometimes can shed a little bit of light on perhaps like some blockages or fear that we have around really, even though we're saying we want a long-term relationship, I think super common, especially for women, if you've worked really hard to like be independent and like get yourself where you are, can feel scary to like really open yourself up to somebody else or like ask for help or like have, allow someone to see like all the parts of you that maybe aren't always perfect or manicured or like put together. Yeah. This question, I'm like laughing as I look at it because it literally sums up my entire single life I mean, and I think dating life. All, I've definitely yeah. done that too. And we're just like, okay, like I'll just take the breadcrumbs. Like, oh, he'll right, like, I'll take mind. what I can get. Yeah. Like I'll take a uh, last minute, like, oh, what are you doing tonight? Or like, come hang out or like, come meet me at this bar. Cause it's all I can, like, I'll take it. Cause it means time with this person that I like, and they're giving me the time they're thinking of me. So it's something, but I, but how do you yeah. feel after? No, and I it's think horrible. You always, so that, like, yeah. that being aware of that, like what I like to call like the emotional hangover after some of these encounters, I think sometimes we can use that, like tap into that as motivation to make changes. Um, mm-hmm. Because the initial feeling of like, oh, they text me, they want to hang out. Like it, it's just kind of like a hit. And then the calm down is not so good. And then we get stuck in that cycle. So yeah, I think we have to zoom out and ask ourselves, like, is this making me happy? What's my end goal? Like, is this, you know, (laughs) because if if that works for you, that's okay. Like there's no judgment, but I think that's when we want to ask ourselves those hard questions. Yeah, 100%. And I will say the first time I ever said no to somebody of, well, no, I don't want to be friends. No, I don't want to keep hanging out if you don't want a relationship down the road. The first time I finally said no to somebody, it felt so good. It like, really does. Like, and you're like, black. <laughs> I, I literally felt on top of the world. I was like, I did that. Like, I could do it finally. So challenge yourself. Like, try. You want that. That feeling is better. That feeling is so much better than the feeling when they text you and you like maybe get to see them. Hmm. Yeah. And I think like you're saying, once you do that and begin to feel confident and you're also changing your mindset to not have this like scarcity mindset, that, like this is the only guy that I'm ever going to be attracted to that will ever be right. like slightly interested. Like, no, there's lots of guys out there. Like 
but you want to focus on the right guy that actually values you. Yeah. Because I think also if a guy really cares about you and they know that they can't give you what you're looking for, it's not, they don't, it's not really in your best interest for like them to just reach out whenever they feel like it or they're like drunk at a bar. Totally. It's not. And it, and it goes back to the emotional hangover thing. Like you'll feel that you'll recognize like, Oh, or like your friend might point out like, well, he only texted you on a Saturday night at 11 PM. So take, take that for what it is. Don't ignore that. I think also it's maybe getting comfortable sometimes in a secure relationship. Like it doesn't have those extreme highs um so I think that's also (laughs) beginning to like get used to like that's okay like it's Mm -hmm. normal um but then you will also not have those extreme lows yes yeah we like stability yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay this question says how much should partners challenge each other I was watching the new season of the ultimatum on Netflix and one of the men talked about how his original partner never challenged him This is not a concept I ever really considered as being important in a relationship. How important is it really? And where is the line of challenging each other too much? Hmm. Okay. So I think every relationship is different. Obviously, it's like there's maybe there's some signs of like what I've heard before, the three A's of sort of like signs of like what they say like addiction, abuse, and adultery can be, you know, those are like typically clear-cut signs that, like, there's probably something off and unhealthy in the relationship. But I think it's, like, each relationship, each couple is different. So it's what – you sometimes see couples are, like, some couples dicker a little bit more, but they're really just, like, playful with each other. And then other couples, like, they don't. They're more gentle. So really each dynamic is unique and different. Um, But I think, you know, it is important to have, like, maybe to be able to get feedback and feel comfortable giving feedback to our partners – um, but I think like the, the level of it really just depends on like how each person feels and like what they're comfortable with and kind of just, you know, like if it doesn't feel good to maybe have that conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like all of our stuff comes out in these, in relationships. So like our partners are going to see it. Um, and I think being able to like give feedback, take feedback, listen to it, um, is a great thing, but yeah, I mean, we, it's a balance. I think of we want to be good feedback. We want to, you know, hold our partners accountable for some things, but they also need to be in their own process and do their own work. And like, we also need to sometimes come back to ourselves and say like, well, what's that bringing up for me? What's my role in this? Yeah. I think it's important to recognize too, that like you said, every relationship is different. And so Mm -hmm. if you're hearing about this concept for the first time, it's probably not something that that's imp- that's that important to you. You know, it's if it's not something that you've thought about or really looked for in a partner, that's okay. You don't ha- suddenly have to change what you value in a relationship because it's what somebody else values. You know, I think it's really interesting. I've a- I have a lot of friends getting married this year and next year and I'm getting married next year and it's been really interesting to see how different our relationships are and some like some couples have literally never fought once. Other couples fight all the time, but then they work through it together. Some, like you said, bicker. Like there's so many different things that work for different people. And some people are more confrontational than others. Some, mm-hmm. and, and I see also with some friends who maybe in our friendships, like we fight more. Like those are the couples that <laughs> we're comfortable. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like them and their partner do quote unquote challenge each other more because 
they're more comfortable putting all that out there and being like, yeah, like let's fight it out versus other people. Like, I don't feel that way at all. I would not want to be in a relationship where we're like yelling or pushing back on everything all the time. So yes, I do want to like grow in my relationship individually and together, but I think everybody prioritizes different things. And so just making sure that you're on the same page or you're aware of what your partner wants, like that's all that matters. Yeah. I actually heard once um, this quote, like marriage is a human growing machine because it does, all of your stuff does come out and it really forces you to look at everything. Um, sometimes it's uncomfortable, but Definitely. yeah, it's actually, um, have you heard of John Gottman? Probably. Yes. The, yeah. So he says he did like a lot of, um, he does like research with like, he hooks couples up to things like to check their vitals, like in his lab or whatever. And he has all these things of like, kind of based on like one interaction that he's like couples have sometimes like different signs that like, are they going to have a successful relationship or not? And he actually said, it's really not about like fighting better or like having like you know, not fighting at all. It's do they have a repair after the fight and like, do they work it out? And that was the biggest thing. Um, And sometimes like people are going to bicker like, you know, in a different way than someone else, but being able to then after that come back and like acknowledge what happened, um, you know, what can we do to make a change? I think that that's like what he has found in his research is like the, um, the game changer. Totally. And I I think also with that, it's like, it doesn't have to be me versus you. It could be us versus the problem. On the same team. Yes. Right. So that's also, I mean, I think this comes up in dating and definitely when you're in a relationship, that negativity bias of like the mind begins to just sort of see the negative. And it's a way, like our brain's designed to keep us safe. Um, It wants to protect us. But yeah, when we're in a relationship, sometimes we do start to only the seeing the things that annoy us and we feel like I want that like like we feel like we're opponents so coming back around the same team um yeah and then in dating kind of noticing if we're going into that worst case scenario if we're in that like fear-based like desperation urgency mindset it's okay we all get into those places but then it's taking the time to get grounded and regulated before making like choices or like having a conversation or taking an action step Yeah, definitely. Okay. I have one last question for you and it is my favorite question to ask. What is the best piece of a dating or relationship advice you have ever received or have to give? So I think the idea that there is no perfect guy, there is no perfect person, but there is a perfect guy for you is helpful to hear because a lot of times and I did the same thing like well if I could just combine this guy and this guy and then maybe this guy like but that person doesn't exist um and we're also not perfect so I think just being willing to kind of accept that yeah like we're not going to get perfection but this is why we we want to be focusing on the right things that are actually um going to set us up for a healthy relationship not arbitrary things and I think often that I see this a lot, like especially in the New York City single scene um, um, for both men and women, like just unrealistic expectations. Uh, and I, I just feel like, you know, if we have to kind of zoom out a little bit and 
I, that has helped me a lot. We're not settling because I think people say that a lot. Like, well, I don't, why would I just settle? But it's like, we're just changing our expectations to be realistic that like we're both human beings. So, you know, the perfect person that you might not find them, but there yeah. is somebody perfect for you. Yeah. You're imperfect. So you're looking for your imperfect match. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for being here. Where can everybody find you? And are you accepting new clients? Yes. So um, you can check out my website, rm, uh, my initials, psychotherapy.com or on Instagram, rm.psychotherapy. I do have some availability for one-on-one clients and I'm actually going to be starting a um, group for single millennial women at the end of October on Tuesdays, um, where we go over a lot of these things and kind of reset our mindset, work through blocks and set ourselves up to meet our person and, uh, be in a healthy, fulfilling relationship. So if you're interested, you can reach out to me there. Um, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Yay. Thank you again. No, this was so great. And I'm so excited for everyone to hear it. I feel like there are a lot of gentle wake-up calls that some people maybe were hoping to hear that they need to hear. So thank you so much. And thank you for all that you do. And you guys definitely check out rm.psychotherapy on Instagram. Rebecca's content is amazing and it is so digestible. And I feel like every time you post something, I'm like, yes, like you broke that idea down so well. Like it's so... It, it, it's just, you do a great job. So thank you so much for well, all the work that you, you do. I appreciate it. All right, you guys send this episode to a friend who needs to hear it. Give a five-star rating and review. Follow Rebecca and I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening, daters. I hope today's episode made you feel just a little bit less alone out there, no matter what your status might be. Give your finger a break from swiping and hit that follow and review button instead. And if you have any burning questions or want to share your own dating horror stories, reach out to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, keep on seeing other people. Mads, I am obsessed with our brand pillars. You mean vagina sweat, good branding, and being Jewish-blooded queen, Scout? Uh, sure, but not quite. I love that OKSIS podcast and our sisterhood is made up of women who are down for main character energy only, who take care of their mental health, and who are standing in their personal power as entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah. That too, Scout. That too. We should probably introduce ourselves. Hello, everyone. I am Mads. And I am Scout. And we are sisters IRL. Join us on OKSIS Podcast every Monday for some sisterly banter, nourishing mental health, a whole lot of silliness, and inspiring interviews from the raddest female guests in the game. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood!